What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? This is just, just a sassy town, and I am sitting here on my blue throne. I hope everyone is doing well today. I hope everyone has had a good weekend, and we are now in the middle of the week. And I hope everything is still going well. I'm going to jump right in and, and just get to the nitty gritty. Uh, we have a lot of changes coming up. Uh, for those of you that deal with uh, astrology and the parole, you'll notice that there's a shift. And there's been a shift coming for a while, but we're about to come like way into the shift. And it's, it's going to be big. It's going to affect everybody in some type of way. The good news is Mercury just went direct the other day. Perfect. We also just had the solstice. And I think for the first time, that was the first time I actually felt it was the longest day of the year. I think I felt every single minute, mentally and physically. This past weekend, we all celebrated Juneteenth, which was the first time I've ever celebrated it. And uh, it, it was a good time. I had a good time. I got sunburned, so I have a couple of blisters on my shoulders. And yes, black people do burn. But the big news, besides all the changes that are coming, because we still have several planets that are retrograde and another going retrograde and a full moon coming up. So here's what's coming down the pike. Friday is a huge day. And right now, it isn't really being talked about. By tonight, it will be. And it is the sentencing of Derek Chauvin. Now, you recall, he is the Minneapolis police officer that killed George Floyd. This man faces up to 30 years in prison. Honestly, for murder, anything but life isn't good enough. But that's, our system is designed in such a way that you know certain ones get life and others get a chance to live their life again as a, as a free person, even though they might be really old. So what we have here is the judge that's sentencing him doesn't like to be the center of attention. He likes to keep his name out of it. However, the right to know and the media bullshit is of course right there. So this judge is going to be thrust into the spotlight once again, trying to do his job. There will be people gathered outside the courthouse. Of course, the media will be there. And it's a matter of how the sentence goes, of what will happen with the crowd. And I'm really hoping that the crowd stays peaceful I really do, but there's going to be some jackasses, whether it's the verdict they wanted or whether it's the verdict they didn't want. There will be some jackasses in the crowd because they know the cameras are there. They know the cameras are going to pick it up. It's their 15 seconds, not minutes of fame. So yeah, there will be some that take advantage of that. Now, the guy, like I said, is facing up to 30 years. He's been in a maximum security prison 
since the jury found him guilty of second and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. And this was in April. He's never expressed remorse. And on Friday, he will have the opportunity to speak for the first time at his hearing. Will he show remorse then? Probably not. But, you know, in a funny, non-funny way, you can't forget the look on this fool's face as he was escorted out. He had like the deer caught in the headlights, like, oh my God, I got convicted. I can't be convicted. I'm a white man. I can't be convicted. That's the look he had on his face. And, you know, to be, to be a talking fly on the wall at that point would have been very awesome. Because I would have been like, no, nah, you son of a bitch, you got convicted. That was an awesome feeling. Now, I don't know the Floyd family. I just remember what happened to Rodney Brown as it was broadcast literally worldwide of several cops beating the tar out of this man and they all got away with it. They all got away with it. And it wasn't the cell phone coverage like we have now. We didn't have that at the time. This was actually the media helicopters that caught all of this, submitted it as evidence, and the cops got away with it. And we all know Rodney King passed away several years ago. So Judge Peter Cahill understands that Chauvin is a first-time offender, legally. What they're able to bring up now is the fact that Chauvin has done this before. And it was a teenager that he did it to. So he has killed before, only last time he got away with it because there was no cameras by him. There's also been incidences of where he's choked people, black people. So when he applied for this position, somewhere in his psychological exam, it had to show that the guy has anger issues. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be racist, but if he has anger issues already, chances are that when he gets a chance to act out against someone that doesn't look like him, that's what's going to happen. So they're saying that Chauvin should face a higher sentence because his crimes involved abusing his position of trust and authority. And it happened in front of the children and there's other aggravating factors, not mitigating factors, other aggravating factors. There's a difference there. They haven't even gotten into the mitigating factors. So this guy who had the worst attorneys I've ever seen fight for the defense of an officer, that was just horrible. He's asking for probation or far less prison time because it was a first offense. So you kill somebody and you want probation. And unfortunately, that's how our system has been, unless you're black. It's sad, it's the reality, and I'm really hoping that it's going to change. I don't see it in my lifetime, I really don't. I don't see 
too many changes coming as long as we are now controlled by the minority. Minority control. Think of Big Brother, George Orwell. By the way, George Orwell is my favorite author, so you'll hear me talk about him a lot or read about it. But let's look deeper. They're looking at the fact that it traumatized the Floyd family. Well, of course, that would be obvious. Anybody would be traumatized. I couldn't even watch the beginning of the trial because that's all they kept showing is the life being snuffed out of this man. It was very hard to watch. It was very hard to not be emotional. I can't imagine being the family sitting there looking at this every single day. They showed it so much in court that the media actually stopped showing it. So yeah, I'm sure that's traumatizing, but the continuously on a daily basis, traumatize them even more, make it make sense. Now the legal observers, AKA couch surfing attorneys, they expect them to receive near or at the 30 year maximum. But admittedly, Judge Cahill has a pretty wide latitude. And quite naturally, both attorneys are going to argue and convince or try to convince the judge to go their way. So they're, they're going to convince the judge to exercise his discretion in their favor, which is, nat which is natural, which is what a judge should do. But the defense was so terrible in the first place, there was no defense for the amount of evidence that was shown, the amount of witnesses that came forward. The young lady that took the video testified. The EMT testified. There was no defense that could help this guy. Instead, his lawyer got up there and talked about chocolate chip cookies. Now, keep in mind, the police union was paying for this defense. This is why people are screaming defund the police, not because they feel that they have too much money. You know, training the alleged good guys takes money. It really does. But they're saying defund the police because the unions stand behind these cops that kill. And they do it with taxpayer funding. So while you're sitting at home and another person, black, brown, whatever, is having their life snuffed out of them, your tax dollars pay for the defense of the cop. While the family that has suffered has to pay their own attorney. And sometimes, the attorney will take it pro bono. Why is that? Because if you win the case, you get hella business after that. Your notoriety just shot up 1000%. So you're going to get the business. So they can take a case or two pro bono, especially a very public case that has this great of implications. So I do believe that the attorneys took this case pro bono 
it will get them more business. As a matter of fact, I think they're going to be in another case that's coming up. And I'm not sure if they're going to be in the case with the other three defendants because their trial is coming up in August, I believe. So now, he has to serve two-thirds of his sentence behind bars and the remainder under a type of supervised release that's similar to parole. So pretty much he'll have to have a, a ankle bracelet on. I think they should put a chip in his ass and, you know, called in whatever he has to do. He'll be almost kind of like on house arrest, but not house arrest. Well, he'll get credit for time served while waiting sentencing. So this happened in April uh, with the conviction. So this is May, June. It's not much time served unless they give him day for day. So if they give him day for day, then it's double what he's already been in there. Now, I wonder, the person that actually started this chain reaction of events, unknowingly, does anybody worry about what his mental health is right now? This was a, a, a kid, basically, working in a store, and he thought he was handed a, a counterfeit $20 bill. And it ended up with the man being killed. I can't imagine what that does to a person's life when you witness that and realize that it's a phone call that you made that caused these things to happen. How would you react? I'm thinking in a few years, there will be publication that this young man has taken his life. And I hate to sound like dooming gloom, but this young man is going into his young adult life feeling the pressure, the cement block on his head because his phone call ended up costing someone their life. That was, no one goes to work saying, I think I'm gonna cost somebody their life today. No one, you know, no one does that. And unfortunately, he reacted in the moment because I think that, you know, he could have said something to Floyd. I wasn't there, so I don't know the situation. But I can say that if I was, you know, 30 years younger, 40 years younger, I don't think I would have called the cops, especially with the temperature of everything that's going on right now. I think it would have been warned either you eat it or you tell the guy, hey, you know, this is fake or whatever. But either way, you do that, you're taking a chance that the guy might hurt you. So you don't know what you're dealing with. And since none of us were in that situation, we can't even speculate. But you know, the media will speculate, they'll opine about everything, and they don't know. Because I think the young man has been talked to maybe once or twice. But is he in counseling? Is his family standing with him? Can he go out of his front door? This is before the sentencing. What happens after the sentencing if it doesn't go the way that people want? This young man will probably have to worry about his safety. Because if it doesn't go the way they want it to go, 
they're going to blame him. And people can say that they won't blame them or whatever. They're going to blame him because a black man lost his life because of a white cop. And it started with this young man making a phone call. So you, you have to be concerned for his well-being. If you're not concerned for his well-being, then something's definitely wrong with you. You know, if you have a son or daughter that's about that age, I don't care what your race is. Something like that happens, you have to be concerned with your loved one. I think some people are taking this nonchalantly because it has been saturated in our brains to where something like this is, is almost normalized. Almost normalized. How does that happen? Well, you can get a person to believe a lie easily. Just keep, keep repeating it over and over, over again. And pretty soon you start to question yourself. You start to question what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Because this person is perpetuating the same bullshit on a daily basis, several times a day. Weekends. Anytime he gets a chance to do that, it's still happening. Will the sentencing change that? It won't change it because the person that basically started all this crap in the first place is continuously, even now, putting out information. And the only reason people are knowing that is because the media won't stop giving him a platform. He complained, should I say Trump complained, about his podcast or whatever the crap he had, that he had to take it down because there weren't enough people following it. He didn't need enough people. He only needed certain people to follow it. So he got his message out. For them to not even go back and even get him for the militia that tried to kidnap a judge in Michigan, they did it because he said so. But nobody's talking about that. They wanted to kidnap and kill the governor of Michigan. Now, mothers are upset because their sons or daughters are being mistreated because they were part of the insurrection. QAnon and families of the young lady that was killed and all of this saying she did nothing wrong. When you can clearly hear the officer telling her to get away from the window, do not come through the window or I'll shoot you. She came through the window, he kept his word, he shot her ass. Good. Good. So now here we are, waiting on the sentence of Derek Chauvin. So he's 45 right now. Okay? If he gets 30 years, he'll be 75. If he serves the full time. Even if he only serves two-thirds of the time, he'll still be in his 60s when he comes out. He'll never wear a uniform again unless somebody makes him security because obviously he's not afraid to kill. But he's pretty much done. Now, he can be convicted. He can be sentenced. Unfortunately, he can be sentenced to probation. What happens then? He just goes to another police department. 
because police departments are hiring these people that leave other departments. It's the same thing with the female officer that killed the driver and then said, oh shit, I killed him. She came from another police department. But she didn't have the background that Chauvin has. There is a, a lot of complaints against this officer documented that they weren't allowed to bring into trial. As mentioned before, the case of him killing another young black person, they weren't allowed to bring that up in trial. So it's a matter of if anybody else is accused and tried for something, they literally go through your whole background, how many kids you have, what are their ages, you had a divorce when? Oh my God, they just divorced two years ago. His wife left him for whatever reason. You know their whole damn history. They took a vitamin B12 shot two weeks ago. We don't need to know all that. We don't really need to know any of it, but our insatiable thirst for blood as a society is overwhelming. If a cop killed somebody in your family, what would you do? My first instinct would not be to call an attorney. My first instinct, honestly, would be to figure out which prison they're going to send me to because I'm going to get the motherfucker back. One way or the other, I would get him back. If I had to have somebody do it for me, <clears throat> excuse me, and pay them for it, yeah, I'd pay that price. Because if somebody killed my son, you better be prepared to die right behind me. So that's my honest opinion. But most people can't answer that question because they can't fathom that thought happening. And it is, it is very hard to fathom. But when your son looks like my son, it's in the back of your mind. See, my white friends don't have to think about that unless they have a loved one that is hooked on methamphetamines, they have a loved one that has very strong mental health issues, or they're just flat out crazy. You don't have to think about that because the first thing that happens is, well, he has mental health issues. That's the buzzword, mental health issues. And I just wasn't, I just didn't think he was capable of doing such a thing. And nine times out of 10, it's the family member that calls the cops. They didn't think they were capable of such a thing, but here you are, you're calling the cops. And then when the person ends up deceased, it's actually justified. Unfortunately, it's justified. Because there's been times when the story has read that the person, loved ones were screaming at the officers, don't shoot him, he has mental health issues. But then you get down to officer safety as well. So I mean, in that split second of time, none of us are there. None of us can say what we would do, not even the officer. An officer is on defense all the time. Understand that. And when you look like I look, they're on defense that much more. Their, their spidey senses are like really tingling. And if they have an, an itchy trigger finger, they're looking to scratch that itch doesn't matter if you give them a reason to or not. You know, if I was sitting in a car 
and an officer casually walked up to me. And I'm just sitting there minding my business. And he says, what are you doing? I am not going to smart mouth the cop. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just sitting here, asshole, what do you want? Am I going to say that? No. Why? Because my son cannot afford to plant my ass right now. That's how bad the situation is. And other people don't understand that. We've seen the footage of white people walking right past officers with a loaded weapon. The little asshole that was from Illinois that went over to Wisconsin that they allegedly can't find now walked right past the two officers with a loaded rifle and went and killed two people. The first thing they started screaming is he has mental health issues as they show him at a bar in Wisconsin with members of the Proud Boys having a beer. That's when I realized that in Wisconsin, minors can drink if their parents are around. So when you're on the other side and you look at things and you see where things are going, do you actually pay attention or do you listen to the story twisted around? So Derek Chauvin, if any of you have watched the hearing, his defense said that he feared for his life in that moment. There was one black man and there were what, three other officers, two other officers, one was training and now he'll never be a cop again. So between the three of them, they couldn't subdue one man. Chauvin is the only one that said he feared for his life. They got the man down who was saying he was scared, don't shoot him, saying he can't breathe. And he sat on his neck with his knee down. Not only did he not move, he moved to adjust his weight to put more pressure and as the crowd is screaming at him, he's looking around unflinched. Not only did he do that, he ordered the other cops to sit on him as well. Imagine being a rookie cop in training and you're ordered to do something. And by being a rookie and probably scared of Chauvin, you did what you're told to do, even though the right thing to do would have been to disobey that order because it was wrong. Imagine that. We, see, no one's talking about how these other two cops felt. That won't come out until August of what they're thinking. And I'm sure the rookie, his attorney is definitely going to say, hey, he was following a direct order. I'm sorry, somebody died. So here's three lives, four lives that Chauvin has taken. George Floyd being the most important is his own life and the life of the two other officers that were with him. So in a way, negating himself, that's three murders he committed. Only the other two get to talk about it. So now 
the other two officers, oh, three officers, I'm sorry. So it's the three other officers involved in the incidents face charges of aiding and abetting Floyd's murder, crimes that carry the same penalties. They are scheduled to be tried. Oh, now it's next year in Minnesota. All right, so we have to wait till next year, not August. So that's changed. I do believe they are going to try to get a change of venue. Uh, they tried to do that with Chauvin. They wanted a change of venue. And I always find it interesting that when people commit heinous crimes and they do it in a you know, pretty much a black neighborhood, the first thing they start screaming is, I want a change of venue. What they're saying is, I want an all white jury. That's what they're saying. I want an all white jury because an all white jury won't convict my client. I don't think he got the change of venue and I don't think an all white jury would have acquitted him. I really don't. Not after watching the footage every single day. It played on their emotions. It played on everything that was in their being. Prosecutors did a really good job. They overplayed it in my opinion with the video, but it worked. It worked. They appealed to their jury's sense of love, of heart, common sense, to take what they saw and look at it just as it was, a murder. So as all of this is going on with Chauvin, he does face a separate, a separate federal indictment for allegedly violating the rights of a 14-year-old boy by detaining him without justification in 2017 and placing his knee on the boy's neck for 17 minutes, causing the teen to pass out. They're also investigating the police department out there for alleged systemic violations of people's civil rights. They won't say black people's civil rights, they'll just say civil rights. And that's fine too. But I don't recall hearing that many white people screaming about they don't have any civil rights until now when people are trying to correct a lot of injustice, now they're screaming about their civil rights. As long as the odds favored them and they can get away with everything, they had no problem with their civil rights. So he got lucky with that young man. He didn't kill him. 17 minutes. He wasn't even on George Floyd that long and it killed him. It didn't matter that he might have had a trace of any type of narcotic in his system. He wouldn't have died if the officer had not done what he did. Somehow, people are missing that point. So now, this month, civil rights charges have been filed against the police department. And that comes from the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. Oh, I guess this whole time, all these years, they have been sitting kind of mute because now they want to take action. I guess because it's like really, really public. You know, you have a human rights commission or committee, whatever they want to call it, that has a job to look into these things, but you have to wait until it garners national attention, international attention, and now you're going to file a child. I, I can bet you that people there have filed complaints with the human rights department for years. 
and they just sloughed it off. And I can say that because I can see it. They sat on it, they're gonna research it, and then they get into it and it's tabled, it's pushed off to somebody else, and you know, they can't do anything about it. I bet you that's what happened. Now it's everything is international, so we're gonna make it look good, make it look like we're, you know, we're on the people's side and we're gonna who's up for election? Who's up for chairmanship? Who's up for anything that they're acting now? That police department has been acting without any oversight for years. Remember, the riots prior to all of this was blamed on Antifa because they still think that Antifa is a violent entity instead of people that are anti-fascism. But I digress, stupid's gonna stupid. So, in this sentencing memo, Chauvin, or his dumbass attorney, actually said that Chauvin was unaware that he was committing a crime. And in his mind, he was performing his lawful duty in assisting other officers employees arrest. What kind of a mind thinks like that? You're doing your lawful duty by restraining a man and cutting off his air supply. You're doing your lawful duty by literally slowly choking a man to death. What lawful duty is that? What self-defense is that when you have a person in a prone, prone position and you fear for your life? The situation was under control. He wasn't even the first cop on the scene. This was a man who got to the scene. He took over the scene and the end result was death. It's the same thing with the female cop. They had the situation under control. The person was subdued. The person was calm. Their dumbasses had him by the door and left the door open, so he jumped in the car and took off. People, you have to understand, black and brown people, we live on a heightened sense of thinking out. Our first thing that we think of when a cop comes over is, oh shit, I'm gonna die. That's the first thing we think of. That fight or flight mentality, we don't even think about fighting. We think about the flight part. Get the hell out as fast as you can. The situation was uncontrolled until the female officer walked up and tried to take over. I guess she was feeling all her bitchy balls that day. It's the same thing with Derek Chauvin. The only thing is they haven't mentioned if the situation was under control when he pulled up. They just say that in his mind, he was performing his lawful duty in assisting other officers employees arrest. If there's two or three other officers there, why do you feel the need to even get out of your car? Or even get out of your car and walk to the situation? How about you just get out of your car and you kind of 
disperse the crowd. Or you just stand by the situation to make sure nothing happens. No, he went to the situation and in his quote unquote assistance, he took over the situation and he killed a man. I don't care how you slice it, he killed a man. You cannot say the man was resisting if he's in the prone position. What is he resisting? He can't move. And then you leave a man lying in that position. Even if he could kind of wiggle around, it's kind of hard. You never leave a person in the prone position for that long. You get him, you cuff him, and you sit him up. At the time he's cuffed, there's not too much he can do. Oh, he manages to kick you in the kneecaps. That's not life-threatening. Oh, he says, fuck you. That's not life-threatening. But if you look like me, it is. And as soon as these atrocities happen, then they start speaking of their civil rights being violated. The child is violating their civil rights. Their free speech is being violated. Now, I'm not sure what free speech he thought was being violated because you don't have to say a word to kill a person. But he said a lot just by the expressions on his face. And they focused on that. He knew what he was doing. Even when he saw that somebody was taking a video of the situation, he did not stop. He looked right into the young lady's eyes and her camera as he did this. Look at the footage. I'm sure it's still there. And he continued to do so. As a matter of fact, that is when he adjusted his weight. The more they said, get off of George, the more he shifted his weight. Put his hands in his pockets and just looked around nonchalantly like he had a care in the world. Because in that minute, he didn't have a care in the world. He's got three other officers that's going to back his story. That's what he's thinking. Three other officers are going to go in and say, oh, you know, it was a life-threatening situation. They feared for their lives. They want to make sure all their paperwork is the same, blah, blah, blah. That's not what happened. Now, had it not been for the video, it would have happened because they did try that. They tried that. All three officers said the same thing. So you know the rookie cop had to be coached on what to say. Don't think that's not going to come up when they have their trial. They were coached on what to say. Imagine that kid writing out this report. Imagine what's going through his mind. And I really mean that. Imagine it. Now he faces the same fate as the person who told him to do it. I think if he has a good attorney and not the police attorneys, he has a chance of getting a little less sentence or a lighter sentence. I think he might have a chance. I think they both have a chance, even though they say they're facing the same thing, I think they both have a chance because they weren't the actual ones that killed. But because they didn't stop it and they both knew it was wrong, and then because they followed orders to also get on the back of this man. I don't know, it can go either way. It can go either way. 
because if the situation is reversed and I'm the cop, they would say, well, don't you know some orders you should not follow? You know, it happened when I worked as a corrections officer. An inmate got my phone number off the computer. I reported it, and I'm the one that ended up in, tr in trouble. And the union really sucked. The union for the state really sucks. So had they done the morale thing, these other officers would have been ostracized at work. So they're in a situation to where they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. There are a lot of good officers out there. And we don't highlight the good ones enough. So yes, black and brown people are afraid of the police because they send all the white officers to the black neighborhoods. And some of them are just there for trouble. That's it. And you you don't know, you know, you don't know if you can be friends with them. You don't know what to think. You know, some of them are, are on the take. They're looking for people that they can pay off or whatever, whatever. We don't know. We don't know. Or they tell you they can't put black officers in a black neighborhood because the black officers will just go along with them. They're ex-gangbangers themselves or whatever, whatever. There's excuses up to yin yang. And you know what? Whatever. Just put a good officer in the neighborhood that's going to continue to be a good officer. Not fall in line with the bad apples that are in the group. There's bad apples everywhere. There's bad corrections officers. I've worked with them. I've watched people get choked out by a correction officer. I've seen it. I've seen the result of what happens. I've seen a kid die. It doesn't leave you. But to see a person literally choke the shit out of somebody, do them laying on the ground and walk away and then later brag about it. Yes, I've seen that as well. And to see everybody else sitting around laughing about it, including the captain, laugh about it because it was such a normal thing to happen to kids that worked in maximum security juvenile when it used to be in Joliet, Illinois. So to fathom what was going through this officer's mind, I can I I get it. I can actually imagine what he was thinking. Nobody's gonna find out and nobody's going to say anything. He was so in tuned with his own cockiness that even a person filming him doing this didn't deter him. Nothing deter deterred him. Kids standing there crying, people yelling at him to get off his neck, he's killing him. Nothing stopped him. If I'm the judge, and I'm no judge, nor am I an attorney, you get life without parole. You had the people yelling at you, you're killing the man. You're killing him. And you just adjust your weight to put more pressure on him. That is a purposeful homicide, murder, whatever the hell you want to call it, George Floyd is not coming back. 
I pray that his spirit haunts this man for the rest of his days. I really do. I wish nothing but bad karma on this officer. That's fact. The sad thing is, when he gets sentenced, you're gonna put him in protective custody because other inmates are gonna beat that ass. And don't think that just because he's in protective custody, somebody still won't get him. The sad part is, none of those correction officers probably agree with him. And that's where they will put him, where those officers can't protect him. Now we're starting to have a lot of prison uprisings. uprisings. So pay attention to that. What do you think is going to happen? Chauvin is currently in solitary confinement. Why? Because I just said he's going to be targeted by other prisoners. The defense says he's the product of a broken system, air quotes. And behind the politics, Mr. Chauvin is still a human being. What broken system is he the product of? Doesn't say. This article is in USA Today, by the way. Doesn't say. You know, what broken system? Did daddy beat his ass? Did daddy not hug him? Did mommy love him just a little too much? What broken system? Was he a foster kid? That system's broken. These are things that would be red flags when you apply to be an officer. They do a very thorough check. So these things have all been red flags, but yet here we are. Here we are. Get the FBI to investigate. Let's see what they come up with. Let's find out the nitty gritty. So, yes, he's a human being, but he's a human being that took the life of another human being. It doesn't matter the politics. It doesn't matter if the system is broken, if it's working or whatever. The system has been broken for, since, since it's been around, the system has been broken one way or the other. But see, his attorneys are arguing the system is broken because he got arrested and charged. To them, that's why the system is broken. Okay, fine and dandy. But what about the black and brown people in this country? The system isn't broken for them? Hmm, let's take a look at all the records and the percentages. Let's look in the numbers. Oh, wait, I get it. They're going to research it. You know, and I make fun of that because I've never heard that term used so much as I hear it out here. We're going to research it. They research everything and nothing happens. So Chauvin's attorneys, they're going to argue on his sentencing day, this Friday, that his rights are being violated. In their mind, his right to kill. I don't know who has that right, but I do know that even the prison 
guard that has to execute a prisoner, it weighs heavily on them. And I know this for a fact because my uncle once ran Stateville Penitentiary. And when Daisy was executed, I do believe the day I started in Juvie. And that weighed on my uncle a lot. The officer that had to administer the drugs or be the witness to the doctor that did it because the doctor is supposed to be the one that does it. Sometimes doctors refuse to do it, but you don't hear about that. Doctors refuse to execute a prisoner because it goes against the Hippocratic Oath. So in those cases, it ends up being a corrections officer. Only you don't know that because you're sitting on the other side. And when a person has to execute another person, they are affected. And sometimes they're affected for the rest of their lives. It's not one of those things that you say, oh, it's just part of the job. No. No normal person would tell you it's just part of the job. You are putting another person, another human being, in the position of taking another life. Legally. That plays on your mind. Talk about the people that have gone to war. And they had to kill somebody. They come here, they become officers, and we wonder what the hell is wrong with them. They lost all sense of humanity because of what they've seen and the things that they had to do under the guise of protection of others. This isn't something to be taken lightly. Chauvin deserves whatever he gets, except for probation. He doesn't even deserve the chance to get parole because his was a conscious act to take somebody's life. A conscious act. It's not a broken system unless he doesn't get the sentence that he deserves, then that's a broken system. He wasn't assuming that he was helping somebody and doing his lawful duty to assist three officers that didn't need his assistance. That's sheer ego and arrogance. And if you look at the footage, this is exactly what he showed by putting his hands in his pockets and looking around like he had no care in the world. That's not a lawful duty, people. So, the attorney, the attorney who already has lost credibility because he just really sucked, but they know that asking the judge to give him probation is absurd. Everyone knows that's not gonna happen but they're saying that the attorney risks losing more credibility in trying to negotiate this time for him. If you saw any part of the trial, that attorney doesn't have any credibility left. You have to like go down his pants and search and see if he still has a wee-wee because there ain't nothing there. So the family has to come back into court and they have to hear this again. And again, they're gonna to have to sit through the video again. 
I'm not sure how to feel about that. You know, yes, you want the family to hear the sentencing and be there for the sentencing. But it's kind of like, because of the media, they're not getting that time they need to grieve. It's been a year later. They're not getting that time they need to grieve as a family. And I also get that the family wants this out there. They want the world to see what happened. Will they feel better? Yes and no. Because if he's only got to serve two thirds of his time, they know that one day he's getting out. And they know their loved one is not getting up out of the ground. So it's bittersweet. It's, they, they want to, Chauvin's defense, they, they want to maintain the innocence and prove their right to a, an appeal. And they're not understanding that the judge is looking, most importantly, he's looking to see if the person takes responsibility for their actions and express remorse. So far, that has not been shown. They have not taken responsibility. They have not. Chauvin could have walked around as he looked back, instead of looking like, oh my God, I got caught. He could have looked at the family and said, I'm sorry. Nope, he didn't even do that much. There's no remorse there. If you watch the trial and you sat him sitting there, Imagine if we could see his mouth. They all had to have masks on at the time. But imagine if you could see his mouth. He didn't have to. His eyes told the story. So you have all of this going on. And they had a chance to show that Chauvin had some insight, some empathy. Nothing. Nothing. What happens if the judge addresses him directly as he explains to him why he believes that whatever sentence is appropriate for the first time in the case? I think the judge has already made up his mind. And I'm sure he's pretty, you know, thinking about it constantly and weighing what his decision will be. But I think his mind is pretty much made up as far as what he's going to do. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I, for one, will be glued to the TV, of course. But it's, I don't know. You know, the first officer that's convicted of killing someone in Minnesota was a Black guy, a Black police officer, and the victim was white. And Dovin is the second. Now, I do believe the first officer, the black officer, got 12 and a half years. That sounds about right. He got 12 and a half years. This case is bigger on more than one occasion because that's been the highlight ever since the last administration was in, is the injustices brought to more attention of black and brown people. 
I'm interested to see what happens. Um, I can discuss this, or I will discuss this more Friday night. Take a listen. I'll be on Dub City Radio, which is on live365.com, or you can download the app. Listen to Dub City Radio, Get Lit Conversations, which I co-host with my girl Goldie. We'll be talking about it because it's going to be the shit of the day. So that's something for you guys to think about. There's a whole mess of other stuff going on as well. Um, it's just There's a lot to discuss. A lot to discuss. And I will be discussing it in the future. For now, let's just keep our eye on Friday. And, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Full moon energies are, are rocking right now. Jupiter goes retrograde. Everything is rocking right now. And Neptune is next. So this upheaval that's coming is like a necessary purge unilaterally. Sit back. Watch what happens. We'll talk about it on the other side. You all. Just enjoy the rest of your time. Peace out.